Hello, my name is Glenn, and thanks for joining me to capo a bit. So in this episode, we're speaking to my friend Jedi. Jedi and I got to know each other through mutual friends during NS, but he and I didn't really get like super close with each other until the past year, year and a half maybe, when he asked me to come on board to help him with his company, Alter Culture Studios. Jedi comes from a background in game design, and his company, Alter Culture Studios, focuses on spreading game design theory to the masses. So, how you can use games as a tool beyond entertainment purposes. I can still somewhat remember uh, when someone in our group of friends told me that he was going to pursue a degree in game design. I was very confused as to where this whole idea came from. So at the time, I knew him as a personal trainer and an aspiring physiotherapist. But you know how sometimes you can see someone do something that they really, really love, and you just go like, "Wow, they really figured out something they're really passionate about." And that's, I think, what I've seen in Jedi over the past year, year and a half, working on this company. So in this conversation, we gabble a bit about his whole journey, really, and it goes all the way back to primary school to when he eventually decided to set up his own company. And we talk a little bit about all the people who helped to guide him along the way. Jedi is someone who's really walked off a basically predetermined pathway in Singapore, and has really decided to chart his own way. So I think people can appreciate some of the stories he has to tell. I've actually been sitting on this audio for a couple weeks now, so I'm glad that it's finally getting out there, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Yeah, hi Jedi. How are you doing? I am doing great. I just had my coffee and I am alive and <laughs> I am fine. Yes, coffee is always good for being alive. Just to, I guess, so we'll start off by kind of just like situating the time that we're in right now. So we're as we're recording this is the seventh of January. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a very dramatic day in politics yesterday or mm-hmm. this morning for us. Yep, very much um, so. But, you know, all that aside, mm-hmm. <laughs> how has 2021 been for you so far? Well, in 2021, I think it has been, it's been a good time. I think I've been having some ups and downs that were carrying over from the end of 2020. But I am here, I am present, uh, and I am liking what I have in store for 2021. Nice. Yeah. Do you believe in New Year's resolutions? Um, I don't really believe in New New Year's resolutions. I think, no, I've actually never really made New Year's resolutions. If I want to do something, I just kind of write it down in my book and then I just do it. You just kind of do it? Yeah, I don't wait for New Year's to do it. Do you actually keep like a proper list of things? I do. I have like a notebook and and the notes in my iPhone as well as like constant reminders of like things I just want to do. And hopefully I check the list off one by one. Nice. Yeah. I guess your list for 2020, did it go well? <laughs> well, I think the surprising thing is, you know, I mean, I, I, I set up, you know, my own company, Alter Culture Studios, uh, this uh, last year in 2020, which I guess a year ago, I didn't believe that I would be doing. So I think, you know, there is, even though that was not necessarily in my list of things I wanted to do and 
admittedly, there were also other things that I wanted to do prior to setting up this company. You know, I mean, things change, goals shift, and that's totally okay. Yeah. I was gonna ask you actually if you had like a word or phrase you would use to just sum up what twenty twenty was like for you. Wow, one word really? Or a phrase? You could use a phrase. Hmm. Knowing myself. Okay. Yeah.、Um, it was like a, a a year of self exploration. Yeah.、Discovery. I think you know it's a, it was a horrible year for many people, but. And it was horrible for myself as well, but because of the opportunities that came about,、uh, and finally doing the things that I've always wanted to do, and getting close to people like yourself, right?、And、I think it's it's it has allowed me to learn more about who I really want to be as a person, and so it was really about knowing myself better. I think yeah, like I think a lot for a lot of people, twenty twenty was also while it was a kind of a year of isolation, it was also a time where like people had space to really just. Think about themselves and work on themselves, because like、mm. you can't really interact with other people. I guess you just have to deal with. You you have to kind of learn how to like being with you. Yeah, I, I, definitely. I think the slowdown of the year is the only reason, or perhaps the major reason, why this you know company is working out so far.、Uh, why we managed to get this very office space that we're sitting in, because you know rates probably got lower thanks to. Covid, right? So, yeah, definitely,、um, there were some good things that came out of it, at least. So, I guess、um, this is a great. Since you mentioned the office, this is a great time to sort of segue into kind of why you're here on this podcast to begin with.、Mm-hmm. Um, You and I have known each other for a while,、mm-hmm. um, and I decided to ask you to be on the podcast because, like, you are、uh, someone I thought who had a very、uh, niche interest in games、mm-hmm. in general, and actually like bothered to make something out of it. You know, I I think you know. Back then, I didn't understand games at all. No, you didn't. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> back then, I didn't necessarily understand a lot of like. What game design was,、mm-hmm. and I think it, you know over the as the years have gone by, and especially in this past year in particular,、um, I think you really have like changed my paradigms around games in general, from stuff that I would just happen to play with friends when we were bored to something that like is a, a, like a lot more expansive a world <laughs> in that sense than I ever thought it could be. So I guess the first question, I and I, I, I kind of have a sense of this answer, but just for the audience,、um, so like why, how or why did you kind of get interested in game design to begin with? When I was around eight or nine, I actually got into Pokemon cards. I mean, I didn't really play it back then, but、uh, it was more about just being interested in the Pokemon itself, and I also collected figurines, coupled with the fact that my dad had taught me chess at a very young age. So you know, I one day I just thought to myself as a kid, you know, hmm, what if I put like the Pokemon cards in a certain arrangement, like a board, and what if I added a dice in and then move the figurines around, and each card did something different, and that was basically my you know own way of getting into board game design、uh, without any formal training at all, and I still remember at the time my parents were. 
very supportive. They had no idea what the game was about, but they at least went to ask their friends, like, "Hey, um, you know, what's it like? You know, how do I want? How do I copyright this thing?" And then they told me about this term called intellectual property. And mm. uh, as a nine-year-old, I was like, "Oh, shemagui, kai chidema." And but you know, it never got anywhere because back then the board game industry. Was probably not a thing. I think the famous card games like Magic: The Gathering, like, were maybe about nine or ten years old as well. I think it came out around the time I was born. So, in Singapore, there were no game companies whatsoever. So I think it kind of just tapered off, right? But I remember those were distinctly my roots of my interest in game design. I think it's a、uh, it's very touching to hear that your parents were so supportive.、Mm. Um, I know you've shown me in our very office right here,、mm-hmm, the little、mm-hmm. little pouch hanger thing、mm-hmm. that your mom created to keep all your your、yeah. p- parts and pieces、yep. of the games. They've always been very wonderful.、Mm. So then, is this when you want to also brag a little bit about your chess experience? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs>、um, no, I don't want to brag, but I think it, it. You know, chess had a resurgence thanks to Queen's Gambit. But I will say that I think chess definitely fed into my competitive side.、Mm. But it also gave me a fundamental fundamental understanding of like what board games are, right? And more so because chess is also a universal sport, and I think that a lot of my influences of of the board games that I used to design、uh, came a lot from chess. I even had chess characters or like pieces that move similarly chess、um, because I had so much of a love for the game.、Um, so yeah, I think definitely has influenced me a lot. Did you always know it was going to be like tabletop board game kind of things, or like did well, the video game kind of resurgence sort of? It is also due to the fact that I had limited access to digital games.、Mm. Uh, I still remember my mom. She, what happened was I, I, I think it was Prime One, and you know I've always wanted a Game Boy. And she said to me, "All right, if you get first in your class, I'll buy you a Game Boy." I worked really, really hard. And when I was in primary three, I had fifth in the entire cohort, like fifth. The first four placings were all from my class, right? And I was like, "Mom, I got fifth in the entire cohort." And you know, she's like, "But I said first." <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you expect me to do? The other four are in the same class as me, and they're all better than me, you know?" And it was like a mark difference.、Mm-hmm. So I think. Because of that, I have very limited access to digital games.、Um, just because my parents, for some reason, didn't encourage it, maybe it's also expensive. I did get a PlayStation One, but that was the extent of it. And so, tabletop games were mostly accessible to me because what you just need is a piece of paper. All right, you just cut it up, or you can even use like other board games that you already have, recycle the materials, and boom, you have another game. And that's why I started out with that. Yeah. So then. You've mentioned before you were from like the GEP program and all that, right? Oh yes, yes. So how do you think did that like at all feed or hinder pursuing like games in general? Yeah,、um, actually, I think it might have hindered me for a while.、Hmm. Um, and so the story is this, right? GEP wasn't exactly the happiest moments of my life. Uh, I remember that you know. So for the GEP program, the Gifted Educational Program,、um, I we had a slightly different syllabus from the mainstream program, and I remember that there was one math lesson where you know they, it was pretty cool. Like they taught you about Egyptian numbers and Mayan numbers, which is so useful in today's context. Like I'm calculating sums all the time in Egyptian numbers now. <laughs>、um, 
And one of the lessons we were supposed to create a board game where we were supposed to teach the players how to learn those numbers that mm. we learn in class, right? Apply what you learn in the form of a game. And that was so cool. And I remember I was like, oh my God, it's a board game. I get to practice like what I'm so passionate about. And I told my, my group, hey, don't worry about it. Like, you know, you guys take care of all the paperwork <laughs> and I will take care of the board game design. Sounds very familiar, right? <laughs> um, and... And so I brought it, I went back to my, to my mom and I said, like, hey, I want to make this, right? And she, my mom was so supportive yet again. Uh, all she did was to help me cut up some of the cards because, you know, pair of scissors, when you're mm-hmm. 10, you're not very agile. But I drew, remember, I cut out photos of the Greek columns. I drew different colored boxes with markers, all like 120 of them or something like that. I created, written, written on all the cards. Brought it to class, and the teacher was like, that's pretty awesome, right? But here's the thing. The next group, um, there was a guy that, you know, he's not, he's a good, he's a good person, right? It's not his fault. But his parents, I think, are relatively more well-to-do and know how to go about doing things. So he came with this 3D printed pyramid. Like, it looked like it could already be a professional board game, right? And Mm -hmm. it's clear that his parents had helped him. But I didn't feel jealous. I was just like, oh my god, that's amazing. You know, like, I I wanted to do that as well, right? But then, because of my, I guess, very um, paper prototype-y version of the board game that I had. Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. (laughs) uh, My group actually started to be jealous and they criticized me for it. And I got very discouraged as a result. Uh, In fact, I think, like, that's where many of my bitter memories of school started because of that one project Mm -hmm. so i think that's where i started to kind of you know lose my faith in board game design because i was like um yeah i guess maybe i shouldn't be doing this Mm -hmm. and i had to put it aside for a while so i think being in a gp actually (laughs) hindered me (laughs) because then i i i just fell flat on my face and lost confidence in myself and who i am so then how did you manage to get from that and then sort of like circle your way back around again to games again? Like what was that journey? Life finds a way. Um, <laughs> so what happened was, you know, I don't know. I, I guess fast forward, you know, after um, eight years of having no friends, um, for some reason in national service, I started to uh, get really into physical training, you know. I think because I was like big framed and all that, like, you know, for some, they just put me in, in, uh, in as a personal trainer. And because of that, I decided to pursue a career in personal training, right? Mm-hmm. And so I worked in a gym called Body Tech for about a couple of years, uh, even managed my own branch uh, with a few other trainers. That was pretty awesome. It was good money as well. Uh, and I actually enjoyed what I did. But I still had to go do my uni because I had put it off a couple of years um, doing the personal training gig. So I said goodbye to body tech and I wanted to do physiotherapy as a degree, right? So I, I, I remember going, to, yeah, this story. So I, I, I walked towards the booth uh, for physiotherapy and before I could even get there, like I, it was literally just maybe like eight feet away from me. I just looked left and I saw a couple of uh, very white teachers standing around a booth talking and I still remember it was probably Michael Yan and John Doran. Hi. And then I proceeded to walk towards them because I saw that the booth had said something about game design. And that's what I learned. I was like, oh my God, the booth 
like or rather the university offered a board game no a game design course with board game as one of its uh, syllabus right and because i looked through the sheet so i took the form and i didn't even go to the physiotherapy booth i just went back home and i showed it to my parents and they were like yeah that makes sense i think it suits you based on what you've been doing so far and that's how i got back to board games because of that very fateful day you know it's almost meant to be like the stars were aligned and the someone was guiding you through that, yeah. that booth yeah exactly so then how how was your experience um learning about like board game design in the end was it everything you wanted it to be and more well i think i i got really maybe a little bit too focused on the board game aspect because ultimately there's also the other 90% of the syllabus which is on digital game design mm. uh and don't get me wrong i I think I do like digital game design. It's just that it was, you know, it, so the the school that I went to was the Japan um, Singapore Institute of Technology uh, for game for a bachelor of arts degree in game design. Uh, I started out the program with a bachelor of science uh, for game design, and the difference between the two is that in the science um, program, uh, it was way more focused on programming. Mm. You know. Um, and so for the first two years when I was pursuing it, I was learning a lot of programming uh, and less game design. There was some, but not enough for my liking. Uh, and that explains why I actually switched be- you know, in the middle because my lecturer said to me, uh, Michael Thompson, he said, you know, I just seem to be more suited because I, I think more creatively. So I should just pursue in what I'm strong in. It's also his way of saying I wasn't strong on my programming, which <laughs> I totally agreed. And, and, and so I think, you know, I embraced the fact that I was going to learn about digital game design. Because at that point, I had already started playing some digital games. Uh, one of my favorite games was Hearthstone, which was basically a digital card game, right? It's mm. kind of like this happy combination of both. And so I was like, oh my god, I would love to work on the Hearthstone team in Blizzard Entertainment in the future. This was before all the fiasco with Blizzard Entertainment went on, but let's not go there. And and so I had a goal, you know. I was like, okay, if I'm going to join that team, I'm going to embrace digital game design. And and so I learned all the programming and everything. Yeah, I, sorry, did I answer your question? I actually forgot your question. <laughs> wow. I mean, was asking you about, like, within, I guess, was your game design university experience kind of like what you were hoping it would be did it fulfill the 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 needs in your childhood to kind of explore that realm of okay i i think getting into it was very it's a very harry potter no wait i don't know did daniel radcliffe have that moment of like (gasps) okay it, it was definitely magical right it's like i'm home i'm here i don't i don't want to go home which is probably not a good thing because in the end we uh, overworked ourselves to death to making some of our games. But I, I mean, I think the f- the the honeymoon year was still okay, and then I started doing very badly on my programming subjects, especially. And then that's where things got a little bit too real, and I was like, okay, this is not as fun anymore. <laughs> I did feel slightly better after I switched my degree because it meant that I'm attending more modules that catered more to the creative side of my brain. However, I do think it's a very weird environment to be in, mainly because I think DigiPen at that time, you know, they, they, they had a lot of students that went to DigiPen to learn about programming, but they didn't necessarily want to work in the games industry after they graduated. Uh, in fact, I think 
it was almost like 90%. I'm sorry if I quote this wrong, but about 90% of the graduates, you know, actually went into non-gaming industries. So imagine working with other people around you and you learn that, oh, actually they're not that interested in designing games. It becomes a little bit difficult when you're trying to explore creatively or just talk about mm. things. I mean, there were some passionate people that I chatted with, but, you know, all in all, it was just difficult to live your fantasy, you know, when when everybody around you is not exactly the same. And and, and so I think I, I don't regret joining DigiPen. I think it was an essential step to where I am today. But definitely, I feel it was just not set up the way that um, I think people like myself who really wanted to be a fully creative and experimental game designer, you know, I think maybe I was expecting more art school and it turned out to be just more Programming tech science school. school. Yeah. Coming from all that, right? How did you end up coming up with the idea of setting up Alterculture Studios? Mm. Right. If it, like, did, the, did the Blizzard thing not work out in the end? Or like, was there something about the industry? Funny story about the Blizzard thing. So I went to San Francisco in I think my third or fourth year to the gaming development GDC which is the gaming developer conference it's an annual conference where all the game designers around the world would travel to um, San Francisco and to see what's the latest happenings in the game development sphere and I actually bumped into a couple of people designers on of Hearthstone along the way I, I, and I knew this because I was walking around and I saw the uh, backpacks and they had like those patches on them and I went up to them Did and I said fanboy I did. I was like, oh my god, you have no idea. You changed my life, you know, and which is very true. Like, I played Hearthstone's, like, Hearthstone for seven years, and I've designed at least 110 custom cards based on the franchise. So they had a huge influence on me. And, you know, we exchanged pleasantries, and it was great. I took a photo with them. And then 10 minutes later, I received a rejection email of my internship application like literally 10 minutes later in the middle of the food court yeah from visit entertainment and then i that was so so sad um should have doubled back and gone back and it was like can you can you intervene for me no i think what happened was they saw how crazy i was and then they submitted my name and said hey don't hire this guy he's a bit nuts (laughs) um that's probably what happened so i mean that definitely contributed to like my hopes of ever getting a visit because i know i know how difficult it can be to get into the company, um, especially if you're not American. So, uh, but however, this Alter Culture Studios, so like, what is Alter Culture Studios? Perhaps I should probably talk about that mm-hmm. first. Alter Culture Studios is, you know, mainly focused on game design education. So we teach people who don't come from the games industry how to design games. And we, part of that is also teaching or talking about games that are used in the non-games industry. So for example, if you have any training workshops that incorporate games, right? Uh, or if you're setting some kind of exi- art exhibition with game elements, uh, those are the projects that we wanted to kind of highlight and talk about. Um, and also to kind of bring people together to make more such uh, games because, you know, the dig- digital game space is already quite saturated, but there are not enough of these atypical game experiences. And we think that there can be more done especially in the context of Singapore so you know why how I even got into this space is because of my internship 
uh, in the fourth year with Civil Service College. And I went into Civil... So Civil Service College uh, is a place where they educate a lot of the civil servants. So all, you know, we're talking about the police force teachers. They go, go to this college and they uh, attend their workshops and lessons. So games is a extremely, an extremely useful educational tool, which is why they have a unit to develop such games to teach them. Right? And I was put on that unit. And part of it to develop the competencies for games and game design was the game unit or the game design courses that they also hold for public service. There is strangely a huge interest in games to be used as an educational tool in workshops in public service in the last few years, hmm. uh, which is why I was suddenly exposed to this universe that I didn't know existed. You know, and once I saw how popular it was, I thought to myself, hey, what if more people knew about it? What if all the game designers from DigiPen actually started to explore how they can insert themselves into such spaces, right? What if, I don't know, hint, hint, hire more game designers from DigiPen so that we have other options besides what's already available, right, when we graduate? So that's why I set this up because I think there should be more conversations around this topic of generating more interest and exploring what is possible with the usage of games outside of the dig digital entertainment spaces. Um, and that's how Alter Culture came about. I actually don't know how you came to find out about like the Civil, Solid the Civil Service College ah, uh, yes. internship to begin with. Like, so, did you already know that there was a gaming department? Right. So I, I met a friend and... Uh, maybe I won't mention his, his name because of the context. I'm not sure how comfortable he might be. But I basically met him at Ping Dot. So for those that are not in know, Ping Dot is basically like a, a LGBTQ plus event held at Hong Lim Park, uh, where it's used, you know, as a what's the best way of saying it? It's a, it's a pride event. It's right? a pride. It's basically Singapore Pride. And at this event, I randomly met someone who is a friend of mine now. And at that time, I was still working as a personal trainer. So that's the context that I'm setting, right? And we follow each other on Facebook. But five years later, which is the year that I was looking for an internship, uh, he's out of nowhere, he was like, hey, I saw that you are currently studying game design. And would you like to maybe uh, join this unit, right? And I was like, um, sure. And I tried to Google about this unit, but they're very, very bad with... <laughs> making themselves known out there and the, and the unit knows this so I'm not you know saying anything they don't already know but there's really nothing so I went into this interview like fully blind because I just couldn't prepare for mm. it uh, even the questions were, that they asked me were not particularly enlightening in what they do because they basically just asked me to talk about what my passion is and then an hour like at the end of the interview I pretty much just got the, the position right there I didn't even have to wait you know so that's how I got to know about it by, again, another complete like freak chance, I guess. I mean, it's just a, another um, encounter to the add universe. to the bank of the bank of uh, it's not who you are or what you know, it's who you know. What kind of things did you uh, talk about in the interview? I mean, you, you said that they asked you just to talk about your passions. You just told them about board games and stuff or well I, I mean first they first of all they asked me you know what were some of the projects that i did uh, so i did you know some 2d and 3d games in the japan and then they of course asked what positions i was on and what responsibilities did i hold 
Um, and he also asked me, like, you know, what was my, why did I like games? Why was I passionate about games? And so the person that interviewed me were two of my good friends right now. So Sean Q and my ex-supervisor, uh, Adeline Chin, uh, also known as Dell. And at a time, I asked Dell much later on, like, hey, why is it that you hired me in the end? And apparently they said that it's because I was articulate and that I actually had a point of view when it came to games. And actually, you know, the, the critical thinking portion was what they were looking for. Um, and not so much of whether I actually understood the company or the organization. Because if you know the work that we do uh, in the unit, which is called Learning Futures Group, you, you, have, you can't be prepared for the unit. Like the work is so exploratory uh, and and is you know the whole point of it is you're not supposed to be prepared for any of the work that comes your way so they were looking more for specific qualities as opposed to how much i know or understand about public service Hmm. um so yeah that's how the interview went and how it resulted in me being hired so now you've mentioned uh, a couple of names already a um, couple of people that you've met along the way, some people who maybe have pointed you in certain directions. I like to ask people um, because I think it's this is a very important part of personal development is having like role models and mentors. Mm. So I like to ask people, did you have any kind of uh, significant mentors along the way who were you know instrumental in shaping or guiding this passion you had in game design? Hands down, Elvis Wang. Um, yes. So Elvis, um, I, I, I had my first contact with Elvis. I remember at a time, you know, he was this like short buff dude. And I was like, oh, this guy's actually kind of attractive. Fast forward to now where I'm just like, oh my God, I can't stand him. <laughs> so Elvis at a time, uh, he was in Singapore uh, and he was doing this like uh, not theater performance, but one of those. What what do you call it again? It's like in your face. It, it's done in sessions, and it's only like a few people that attend each session. But it's a very performative kind of experience. So we went to this. I think it was Potong Pase. It was it was some series about Potong Pase, and he was performing in this HDB unit because that was his performance space, right? And I did. I it was my first time seeing something that was so different from other performances that I've attended. And so I think that when I was um, thinking about entering DigiPen, uh, I actually created this board game that I worked on for about six months, you know. And because I wanted to make sure that I get into the school, I think somebody recommended me to speak to Elvis, uh, which helps because I've already attended his performance. And Elvis saw my board game and he was like, hey, come into my studio, like, you know, I'm, it's like my last two days of work, you know, I'm quitting this company, and so you might as well use the resources here, like the printer and everything, and we'll spend the whole weekend, you know, just cutting out and doing up the cards on Photoshop, right? Let's, let's jung your prototype a little bit, zhuzh it up, right? And so that's what happened. I, we spent two whole days, he was with me all the way, cutting, uh, Photoshopping, teaching me how to you know, to display the user interfaces properly on the cards, making it more professional. And so he basically gave me my first design lesson in a way. And from then on, I think we just formed this like mentor-mentee bond. And I 
I have said. I just asked him two days ago. I said, um, by the way, do you know that I think about you as my personal mentor? And he says, yeah, you said that already. I'm, I'm, I'm very honored. You know, like it. so many times when I speak to him, because of how annoying he is, I can't believe he's my mentor. So I have to remind myself. But he, so he is currently an art teacher in London. Hmm. Uh, and he, because of his very nurturing personality, I think whenever he gives me advice, be it life advice or advice pertaining to creative work, uh, he is one of my sources of like advice and inspiration. And so I owe it all to him. In fact, I think my current life partner... Uh, is also because of him as well, you know, that I've managed to meet him. So a mentor, not just in a professional setting, but also a personal one, it sounds like. Mm, very much so, yeah. I guess the other thing I wanted to find out about is what kind of cool, unexpected things have you been able to do because of this passion for game design? Well, I never thought that I would be teaching it. I thought I would be working on a game upon graduation. There was this one time that I did a seminar with National Arts Council and it was on games as art. You know, because for the National Arts Council, I think the concept of games, it's not that it's not it's new to it's not as new to them, but I think many a times they don't necessarily see games as art. It, it feels like almost an entirely different medium altogether when in actual fact, it is art, and it's it's like if you look at the way that the, the way they're drawn, the way that scenes are scripted. Uh, yes, a lot of it is based on lines of code, but there's also a lot of time from artists that went into it. You know, so it's I, I basically went there to show them in terms of the theory as well as the practical part of it why games are art. Um, and, and so that itself was something that I never thought I'd do in this lifetime, you know, to be speaking to people from National Arts Council about it and, and having them sit in and listen. So, yeah, that was definitely one of the life-changing things. Um, and I think the other thing was also starting this company. You know, I never thought I'll start my own company. It was only because I have a very strong support that allowed me to really come into myself and explore what kind of a... I cringe a little bit of a, I guess, a leader I am because I have to lead the team, I have to lead the company. And also, like, not being too uncomfortable with the topic of money. Uh, I, 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 have, I didn't know that I would be less uncomfortable with money, uh, which is something that I had to do because it is a business at the end of the day. And I'm quite proud of being able to talk about it without cringing too much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what one year of working on a business would teach yeah, you, I suppose. Exactly. I like it. It's kind of like you, you've moved from uh, kind of being this like dreamer maker kind of space, and then now you're also adding like advocate on that you know list of titles. You kind of just like, yeah, it's not just a, not just like making and playing. It's also like you need to see it as a valid art form and recognize it for. Yes, I am a, what they call an air quote evangelist. I see that on, on LinkedIn all the time, you know, evangelist. Isn't that a Christian term? Like, you know, anyway. A games, a games evangelist. Games evangelist, yes. I think, you know, I think we're, we're ready to do some rapid fire questions. Woohoo! First question. 
uh, what's a song that's really spoken to you lately? Midnight Sky, Miley Cyrus. I think it was because it came during a year that was relatively stressful, aka 2020. And I mean, other than the nostalgic 80s vibe that's obviously going for, that makes it very listenable. There was something very freeing about the lyrics as I was coming onto myself. Because I still have some issues, but I used to have even more issues in letting myself go and not trying to be the perfect version of myself. And so knowing that I am enough um, and I'm not defined by the type of body that I have and everything else that I do was something that I was starting to believe in, you know, because of the fact that when you're setting up a business, you have no choice but to be honest and vulnerable with yourself. So I every time I listen to Midnight Sky, I it, it just channeled through me and I felt something that made me feel very at home almost and so it was definitely my favorite song yeah um last show slash book slash piece of media that you binged and enjoyed well it's technically not my first time binging it but I did rewatch the entire season of RuPaul's Drag Race season 5 oh yes is that your favorite season I think it's a it's an excellent season Definitely very, very up there. No, I think All Stars 2 is my most favorite season. But 5 definitely knocked it out of the ballpark for me. And I just, I, I was in a crave, I was craving RuPaul's Drag Race because like, you know, they won hiatus and the New Year's shows haven't started. So I just went back to watch watch it and it was in the background, but still paying attention. Um, the other one that I actually binged a lot on, which for like the 15th time is also Gilmore Girls. And it's one of the best written and most underrated series ever. If you like Gossip Girl, I don't understand you. I think Gilmore Girls is better. <clears throat> Gossip Girl's getting the reboot, so okay, you know. sure, whatever. But I guess Gilmore Girls got a new season as well, so. No, it was kind of like a way to wrap up the series. Yeah. They're not getting any more new shows, and the wrap up, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Yeah. So OG Gilmore Girls and not the new one. Season one to seven. Okay. Uh, preferably, I think season one to five is the best season. Uh, something that you're really grateful for in this moment? Everybody. And when I say everybody, I meant like, you know, you got me talking about some people in my life and I just realized I wouldn't be here if I didn't ever meet them. And I think that's, that's, that's amazing. You know, and I, that is why I will always, always be depending on other people because there's no way I can get so much things done without them. Yeah. I have a nice colleague. Her mm. name's Olivia. She used to read this quote all the time, and I, I actually kind of love it. Mm. It's by Octavia E. Butler. Like, all that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. And I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. It kind of is like this it idea is. that you are this amalgamation of, like, everybody that you meet. Really it like is. It. it is. Yeah, for sure. I really like that. Yeah. What is another passion or interest that you have that we didn't get to touch on today? I have so many. <laughs> um, no, I, <clears throat> I think I have a very strong passion. See, I'm very apprehensive of the word passion because I think the word passion has changed so much for me ever since I started doing this business, right? My passion turned into my work, and it still is. But it's like I can't compare it to any quote-unquote passion to games now because of like the, to the extent that I'm developing this. But if I were to have a passion, I think it would definitely be... Uh, card games in general like and, and separate right like one is about the game design and card games itself have always been very meditative 
for me. Card Whatever games, card games like like Pokemon trading card games or like any solitaire. any form of card games. Okay. Oh, okay, maybe less solitaire. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, too basic. I think one thing I notice about myself is whenever I get really drunk, and I kind of want to calm myself down or pull myself together, because I have a bit of a control issue, I would just play a card game on my phone. I have met uh, quite a few good friends in in this way. Like we will be at some social gathering, and like everybody's being very social, and then there are always these one or two people in the corner, playing card games and being anti-social. And I would be the ones to be like, "Can I be your friend?" You know. So card games is definitely my passion, and and how it has caused me to be able to to allow me to kind of like center or ground myself. There's something about it I can't explain. Um. What do you do when you're having a bad day? Ooh, I usually go to Guardian and I get Zyrtec D off the counter, and then I drink it with a cup of coffee, and then everything's okay. That is when my sinus is really bad, and it gives me a bad day. But if I'm having an emotional bad day, um, some depends on the extent of it. I think RuPaul's Drag Race is a good. Medicine to that sometimes because it just makes me laugh and remind myself that you know I can be stupid as well and not everything is serious. Uh, binge eating is also another guilty pleasure of mine. I do love sweets, and uh, what else do I do? I guess in terms of emotional, like serious emotional work, definitely talking to friends have always been a very like effective method. Like talking to my Rumble Squad. Brene Brown TM, Daryl Lee TM, um, and my Rumble Squad, you know, consists of people like yourself, Glenn, right, um, and as well as other people on in my team in alter culture, where I am able to be completely vulnerable with them. I know I won't be judged, no matter what I share. I think having such a support system has definitely been been vital, and my partner David as well. Like you know, I talk to him every single day. It's crazy. I haven't stopped talking to him since I met him, you know. So he has always been my rock, and I could talk to him about anything. And ninety-five percent of the time, I always feel better after that. Yeah. One thing that you wish more people knew about could be anything. No, oh, I want to plug um, this wonderful experience that I had recently, and I, it's called um, Ota and Friends. And honestly, like I, Glenn is laughing right now, but it was. It impacted me so much more than I thought it would, and I think it's because when I, so what is Ota and Friends? Ota and Friends is this, um, it's a combination of an escape room and an Instagram pop up um, exhibition. Uh, if you've ever been to Disneyland and you've been to the kids section, the the Mickey's house with the kitchen and everything, that's actually the closest thing. But if you've never been before, that's what it is. And you know, the the these wonderful people from El Masno, that's the company name. Um, they came up with this concept because uh, they initially wanted to do a dystopian escape room experience, but in 2020 it was already very dystopian. So they turned it around and be like, "Hey, let's make something that makes people happy." And so they came up with this thing where you're supposed to look for an author named Ota in this house, right? So you need to kind of look around the house and find him. You uh, you end the experience with like a free cup of lemonade and cookies. And so I found it to be extremely uplifting. This, you know, despite the kid-like des- design, it's very misleading. And you can actually 
you know you can see the 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 spirit of it and the amount of love that has been put in by the designers themselves. I think people need to know more about that. I think more things like that need to exist, you know. And I think Al Masno deserves all the support. So, yeah, I am plugging that. It is at Gardens by the Bay till February, and I believe they might be doing it again in other venues in the future. So yeah, please go check it out. Uh, Ota and friends. First plug of the podcast. I yes, guess. it's not mine. It's theirs. <laughs> One piece of advice you received that was hugely influential. Wow, how quickly I can actually think of it. So Dell, my ex supervisor, said, "Maybe I set the context first. It was a month into my internship, and the work was, as I said earlier, extremely difficult. Nobody knows how to prepare for this gig, and as an intern, it's doubly worse because it's like I'm a freaking game designer, but like none of these things here resemble that at first, and." So I had a feeling that I was going to be fired at some point because of how slow I am to catch on to things. So I sat in the cab with her on the way to another gig, and I I said to her, "Dell, I really need to talk to you. I think like I'm doing a bad job, you know." And she said to me this. She said, "You know, everybody comes from a different background.、Um, everybody has something to different to bring to the table, and everybody's." You know, opinion is valid, and so what you need to do is to basically stop thinking of yourself as an intern, and just contribute to everything based on what you think when you know. You know, she basically had faith in me, and the reason why they brought me on is because they know that I do think a lot, and so I shouldn't be shy to say something. And that's also when I realized how how the people around me. Are all very, very, you know, bright and intelligent and wonderful and creative in their own ways, and we should always value that. So, you know, that quote not only made me feel better. I think it also changed my worldview of other people, where I just want to embrace all the strengths that people bring to the table and trust that all of them, at the end of the day, want to do a good job. You know,、uh, and we should we should really, really collaborate more. You know, as humans. Yeah, that's the advice that I got. Lovely, that's a lovely sentiment. Yeah.、Um, flipping it around, what's one piece of advice that you would give other people? I actually have it written down somewhere, I think. But let me try to see if I can recall it. If you have the capacity to do so, listen carefully to the people around you, and learn to learn more about them. And I I say that because I think. Maybe it's the age that I'm at, or the stage of life that I'm at. The I think whatever I'm facing is becoming more gray and gray, and I start to realize that, you know, if people make certain decisions in life, right, right or wrong, there are so many layers to their their personalities and their history that makes up for who they are that results in those decisions. And I think many a times we are too quick to judge them. And so, for me, I always found that when I Slowed down and I listened before judging or questioning. I end up with a very different perspective of the person, and in fact, in some cases, I respect them a lot. You know, despite the decisions, right? So, and and conversely, you also do not know. You know, especially in this day and age where it's twenty twenty and everything's going south, right? People are. Not exactly in a great hit hit space, and they're having a bad day. All the more, I think we need to listen to each other, and understand that 
they are going through something as much as you are, even if you believe in different things, and we need to respect each other as basic human beings. Yeah. Complete the sentence, and this is the last one. It'll all be worth it if blank. It'll be it'll all be worth it if you know you try your best. <laughs> that feels so cheesy, but <laughs> it is true. Yeah, I think so. If I try my best, no matter what happens, it will always be worth it because I did. Yeah, I think I completed the sentence correctly. <laughs> in my opinion. Okay. Though I, though I would argue there's no correct way to answer <laughs> that. It's my reality. Okay. Yes. We'll always respect your reality. Mm. Well, that's it, Jedi. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank um, you for having me. I guess right before you go, we should do some plugs for Alter Culture. Yes, um, plugs. So you can find us on all the social medias that Glenn has set up um, on Facebook. Twitter. Well, if you you can Google us as well, Alter Culture Studios. We're probably the first ones to show up if you're in Singapore. Uh, if you're elsewhere, please do not mix us up with a music producing company. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're looking for me, you can just look for Jedidiah. Yeah, J E D I D I A H space S I A H. Um, and if you send me a DM um, and say that you've listened to the podcast and that's how you follow me, I'll add you and we can talk. So yeah, happy to help you all in any gaming-related needs. I need to say it like that. Gaming-related needs. That was fun. <laughs> there you have it i want to give another round of thanks to jedi for coming and being a guest on this podcast and for sharing so much i'm going to give a few sh- plugs for alter culture studios you can check us out on the website it's called alterculture studios.com alter culture as in a-l-t-e-r-c-u-l-t-u-r-e hyphen s-t-u-d-i-o-s So you can probably look us up from the website and then you can access all our social media from that point. There were a lot of bloopers that came out of this conversation. It was a fun time. A lot of things that ended up on the cutting room floor as they would have it. So maybe there'll be some bloopers that come out of this someday. Who knows? I'm having a lot of fun doing this. I'm just not really that consistent with it so far. We're going to try and make it better. As usual, the music featured in this podcast is by Poddington Bear. I have yet to really figure out um, any sort of original music for this, but for now, this is great. So yeah, I guess I'll just leave you with that. Remember to be present, be good, be better, stay safe. I'll see you maybe in the next one. It's not who you are or what you know, it's who you know? Uh, it's who I know and it's also probably Chinese male privilege. Yeah. Well, yeah, that there's too. also that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm.